0: As a church, we started a a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, looking at a particular place in the Bible that oozes practical ways to live your faith out. Like, not like getting all heady up here, like, hey, you love Jesus? Sweet. How do you actually walk that out? Not where you pretend, but how do you actually do it? And the book of James is saturated in how to live your faith out. But there's a problem, and I mean, yeah, I'm preaching the series and I realized I didn't do something that I think some of us may not be fully aware of. That when we open up a book called James, you're like, yeah, I'm ready, it's in the Bible, it's cool. It's cool because it's in the Bible, right? And that's good, that's good. But maybe, maybe no one's ever told you who James is. To do that, uh, I'm gonna show you a guy who isn't James, Huh? Huh? It's good teaching. This is the Scoggins family. You do not know them. I assure you, you don't. (laughs) Uh, Maybe someone online right now watching uh, might know them, maybe, but he is actually, I'm starting to wonder if he's a spy because he's even hard to find a picture on the internet of. Like, let me tell you, this guy you don't know, and if you saw him crossing the street or driving next to you or even sitting next to you, it wouldn't be a big deal to you. You'd be like, Hi, I don't know you. Let me change that. When I was a kid, I grew up in a pastor's home. And if you don't know what it's like to grow up as a pastor's kid, you guys do a fantastic job at this, but not everyone always does a great job in in the past. Uh, When you're a pastor's kid, you're regularly told, you shouldn't do that, whatever you just did, because your dad is a pastor. That's like... That's like the way it goes, okay? That's, that's stereotypical pastor kid's life. Well, I grew up in an environment where that was said very regularly, not by my parents. They're wonderful. They always told me, you do what you want to do as long as you honor God, it doesn't matter. Well, I grew up uh, taking words like you shouldn't do that as a cue of, oh, you better watch me do it. <laughs> That was my response to that. You know, I I didn't try to overachieve. I was like, well, I'm gonna weigh under going, you just watch what happens. And so that's that's actually how, when I would go to church, I was the worst possible kid you can imagine. There are stories of me getting on top of tables, screaming like I'm the Incredible Hulk. (laughs) Don't you wish you had me in your Sunday school class? Well, one particular week, it may have been actually the Incredible Hulk week, uh, where I I tried to make it difficult. I tried, that was my agenda. Went home after church, spent an afternoon doing whatever I was doing, and the door, all of a sudden, someone's knocking at it, my parents answered the door. It's this guy, Richard Scoggin, who just happened to be the teacher that I had had earlier that day. Uh Uh-oh. So I'm looking out through a window and eventually I am beckoned. And I am brought to the door and my mom and dad say something that I did not expect to be said. I thought, which room do we go to? Where's, do you want me to go get the paddle? Is, do you, what, how do we do this? And I uh, said, hey, Richard wants to know if you wanna to go to the park and fly a kite. I'm like, has he forgotten what I did to him today? <laughs> I didn't say that out loud at all. In fact, I was like, maybe he didn't tell them. I don't know what's going to go on. And I was like, sure. So we walked down to a park close to the house, flew a kite. Man, just hits me. He said, David, I want you to know that no matter what anyone ever tells you, you don't have to be perfect. He goes, I know that your dad is our pastor, but you are A child of God, and God loves you no matter what you do. And I want you to know I believe that, and you need to learn to believe that about yourself. I was so bad, I was actually diverging into a way of life that I wonder where it would have taken me. I was living a super rebellious life. And this one guy, this guy, doesn't doesn't like profoundly do something, it's not a punishment, he just says something to me. And my parents tell me that things begin to change in my heart. It's amazing when someone says something, what it can do to you. So Richard Scoggins, who you didn't know at the beginning of this message, you now know that perhaps one of the reasons I'm a pastor and somewhat collected can trace back to a guy from Kansas who took me to the park. Now you know him, and hopefully Richard Scoggin matters to you now, right? If you saw him, you'd be like, dude, tell me more stories. (laughs) Well, Let me tell you about James. James in the Bible, I don't know that he is who you think he was. Let me me take you on a journey through the Bible real quick. We're gonna do this, I'm gonna try to do this real quick. This is in the Bible, John chapter seven. Jesus' brother said to him, Jesus' brothers, James is one of Jesus' brothers. Jesus' brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, if, if, typical brothers, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world for even his brothers didn't believe in him. You should begin to let this mess with you a little bit. Yes, there's a book in the Bible called James. James is the brother of Jesus. He wrote it. But apparently, struggled a little bit with Jesus. Interesting. Let me take you to Mark. One time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather soon. Soon and he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat, which I have no idea how that's possible, but when, when his family heard what was happening, his family, his family, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said, and probably enjoyed saying such things. If you haven't read the Bible, I'm gonna tell you something about Jesus. There are multiple people close to him and related to him that did not believe in him. Like, yeah, walks on water, that didn't do it for him. Multiplies like some bread and fish and feed thousands. They're like, eh, seen it done before. You got to know this stuff that when you read the book of James, written by James, right, brother of Jesus, that there is historical proof that James was like, I'm not sure you are the guy. But then we have a problem, James chapter one, verse one. The letter is, this letter is from James, okay? Slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something appears to have happened to James from the moment we read about, going, they didn't believe in him, they thought he was crazy, To all of a sudden he's writing a book 10 to 15 years after Jesus leaves and starts it saying that he's a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something happened to James. Most theologians believe we find out what happened in 1 Corinthians. Let me show you 1 Corinthians, he was buried, talking about Jesus, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 500 of his followers at one time, if you wanna know proof, this is a big deal. Uh, Most of whom were still alive, though some have died, but watch. Then he was seen by James. We have taken this as evidence. The reason it's written, because it didn't list everybody by name. You notice like the 500 just kind of got well, lumped in. And notice like even the 12 kind of just got, or they just kind of got lumped in. But you got James getting outed going, and James saw him. And theologians believe, how does a person go from, I don't believe, I'm not sure these miracles, I mean, they've seen miracles before, to all of a sudden, James is devoted to Jesus Christ. If you wanna know the life of James, eventually he's martyred. What happened, and most theologians conclude that when he saw resurrected Jesus from death to life, he was like, oh my, (laughs) you are who you say you are. And so you and I read the book of James going, that's cool, it's in the Bible, no big deal. I don't know this guy named James. Well, hopefully now you know James. James was a doubter. He was a skeptic. He demanded quite a bit of his brother, like, oh, you know you say you're the Messiah, but everyone has a brother or sister that says they're the Messiah, or at least behaves like it. <laughs> when you read the book of James, you're reading a book, you're reading, reading something written by a guy who was not an early adopter, you know? He wasn't like, well, you're my brother and I'm gonna hitch onto this bandwagon, maybe some money in it for me. No, James was like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, oh, you just came back to life, I'm in. So when you read the book of James, there is power and weight, and if you are a doubter or a skeptic, it might become your favorite book because it's written by a dude who kinda thinks the same way. And so what does he write a book about? Well, where we ended last week, Jason did a fantastic job leading us to this. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. The whole thing that James writes, he's trying to connect that you don't just believe, you don't just say, yeah, I agree with what Jesus said, Your lifestyle needs to be connected to that. That if your lifestyle isn't connected to it, maybe you don't believe. Not that you earn your way into heaven, but he's bringing up something. You and I know this would be true. That you prove what you believe by your behavior. You prove it, whether we'd like to admit that or not. And what's fascinating about James, he talks about trials, tribulations, temptations, and he's like, all right, you gotta make sure that you don't just say something, that you live this out, that your works, your good works matter. But then he like dials it up and says, now let's talk about where most of us have the biggest gap when it comes to making sure we live out our faith. And he says, if you do what I tell you to do, if you do this, well, James 3.18, out of the message, which I love how it says this, this is a paraphrase, you can develop a healthy, robust community. Now, if you don't know what that means, that can, that can apply to like your own family. You can develop a, a family at home or, or, or your school, your circle of friends, your workplace, your city, your nation, the world, whatever. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you sh- should become teachers in this church. Oh, wait, go back, go back, yeah, there we go. I was like, wait, see, I just start to read what's on the screen, it's just. <laughs> you can build a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. Oh. Only. <laughs> I've got them screwed up, I think, huh? This is, I think, the deficit of of only if you do the hard work. Uh, I'm pretty convinced, just to give you a forewarning, by the time we're done with the sermon today, some of you will never, ever come to our church again. Because this is hard work following Jesus and I'm gonna bring it up. So this idea of giving dignity and honor to people. James starts off the chapter telling us, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. Amen, I hate reading this. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. So you don't need to send me emails. I assure you, I know the weight. (laughs) Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Can we just stay there for a second? Just for a second, can't we? Just, Just for me personally. We all Do you need just a second with this? (laughs) We All Make Many mistakes Oh this is good (laughs) For if we could control Our tongues What in the world It feels like we just went direct For if we could control our tongues We would be perfect, and could also control ourselves in every other way. It's interesting how James starts talking about trials, tribulations, like hey, make sure that, that you've got good works that you, that you have action that backs up what you believe. Let's talk about your tongue, and how perfect you can be. <clears throat> word study time, um, I've already brought this up, but uh, word study in this series uh, is where you just take a word from the original language, and like what did you really mean originally? The word perfect brought to its end Finished. So if you go to James chapter three, verse two again, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. You gotta know what this is saying, What we say is a measure of our maturity. That's what James just said. What we say is a measure of our maturity. We teach this to our children. Adults, can we keep teaching it to ourselves? What we say, what we actually say, what comes out of our mouths whether you are good at it or not, is a measure. It, it tells you and others around you and God how mature you really are. And James just brought it up. In a society that I don't think we pay attention to what we say, oh, we do afterwards. After we see where it landed and how it landed, and then we think about what we just said. Why is this a measure of that? It's because what we say has uh, enormous power. You know this. I don't need to tell you a bunch of stories. I can tell you uh, already one that, um, I can remember multiple times in elementary school when someone would tell me that I had to be perfect because I was a pastor's kid. I remember those words. I can see the faces of those kids. I'm talking second grade, third grade. I remember my junior year being at a new school, walking down the, uh, the hallway, lockers on both sides, going to my class. As I would walk by, I would hear these, these fat jokes and they were about me and I could hear them and they were directed straight at me and they knew I heard them. I can remember the faces. I know exactly what was said to this day, each phrase. I bet you get your own stories right now that you could reflect on when someone said something and it has done something to you and you're not sure what to do about it. Well, One of it is to realize the power of words. I'll tell you another quick story. Um, I was uh, out of being a pastor for a little bit Um, And I remember deciding that after enough people said, uh, we don't think we want to hire you, I began to realize, you know what, maybe I should never be a pastor. Maybe they're right what they're saying about me or not saying to me. I think I need to quit this idea of ever being a pastor. And I'll never forget in our little home in Kansas, walking down the hallway, and my cell phone rang. Uh, no, not many people had that cell phone because it was my work cell phone and pretty much only people at work had it I don't know how this person got the number. I answer the phone. It's a guy named Joe named John John and I had maybe hung out maybe three to four times hardly knew each other He knew me. I knew him, but we knew of each other and he says this David I don't know uh, if this matters to you But I just felt prompted by God to call you to tell you don't quit trying to be a pastor Message loud and clear. Mm-hmm. Yet another time in my life where someone's simple words got me back on track. See, you've got negative remembrances, but you also probably have positive ones. Maybe it was a coach, a teacher, a mom, or a dad, or, or someone in your life that, that said something. Maybe it was just the power of when someone just looked at you and said, hey, you look good today, and you're like, yeah, I do. <laughs> it's amazing what we can do with our words, is it not? And the frustration, I hate, I don't hate these sermons, but they're so elementary, yet they are destroying our world. They're so elementary, they're so like, I, we teach our, these are like the first things we teach our kids. Don't say that in public, right? <laughs> but then we as adults are like, but that doesn't really apply to me, or that was situational. And James is trying to say, huh? What you say is powerful. And we as a church should say, what are we saying? So James begins to give a ton, a ton of description to this. Chapter three should be one of your favorite chapters in the Bible. We can make a large horse, if you like horses, here you go. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Okay. And a small rudder, okay, now we're, now we're in the ocean. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And then James says, oh, I didn't even say it yet. And we go to verse six. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue, Is a flame of fire is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body i teach regularly on this that sometimes when you're studying the bible you got to know what he doesn't say to know what he's saying notice what all the other body parts that he doesn't bring up are like the worst see all the other things in our lives that he didn't say are the worst. James has decided in the middle of what he's writing going, let's talk about what's really destroying stuff. What you're saying. Whew. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. James has a strong opinion. Let's keep reading. Verse seven and eight, people can tame all kinds of animals, except cats probably, but anyways, <laughs> another topic. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't have the time, don't have the time. Come on, focus. See, you gotta watch what I say. See, this is for me, this is for me. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. I'm seeing lots of nodding heads. <laughs> and I don't need to see high east, I was with you last week, I know probably nodding heads, yeah, and, and on, because yeah. everything so far, you are like, yes! And it gets personal. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it goes to church and sings worship songs. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. You notice what he just did there, right? We talked to God, all oh, nice. We talked to the people he made, not so nice. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. I don't think you disagree so far. <laughs> and here's our current problem. Let me show you, I think it's our current problem. I'm offering you my opinion. I just, my strong opinion here, but it's my opinion here. Rather than guard what we say, we expect others to interpret what we mean. I do this in my own marriage. You wanna get real open? Well, I didn't mean it that way. Friends do it to friends. Employees do it to bosses, bosses do it to employees. And I think right now, the posture of the world, in in all the way into your home, to your school, where you work, and all, everywhere, we're now saying, well that's not what I meant, and you should have, you should know my heart. You should, and we put all the onus on everyone else to interpret our intentions Rather than saying, maybe I should choose my words differently. Fascinating what the devil does. So James, uh, he keeps going. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. Okay, by living an honorable life, doing good works. So he brings up good works again. You're like, James, I get the point, man. By doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. All right, good works, good works. Got it, James, I'm gonna go try harder. But some of us are like, what in the world are we even supposed to be doing? What's the good works in the tongue? How do we do this? Well, he keeps going. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness, are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. You want me to preach on revelation? I don't think we need to get there yet. I think we need to understand the way we talk can be straight up demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish selfish ambition, There you will will find disorder and evil of every kind. Let me help you understand. That just brought up two main things uh, bitter jealousy and selfishness. Brought up two things that are are prevalent all over the place, and most of us right now, well, good news for me. I'm not jealous of nobody, and I am very giving. Sweet. Uh, Let me show you how this manifests most of the time. If you've got jealousy or selfishness in your heart right now, in your mind, and you're like, I don't have those actually, David. I'm not jealous of anybody, I don't care what they got. I'm telling you, it is eking out in how we talk. Uh, Gossip, of course. I mean, if you don't know what gossip is, it's basically when you talk about someone who's not in the circle that you're talking about, (laughs) and it's not flattery. It's not like, they are absolutely wonderful. I just think, it's typically, Let me tell you something about him. In church world, we typically, hey, I've got a prayer request. I told you some of you are never coming back. I think you should pray for people. I just think you got to be careful about your intentions of bringing that up. Complaining, criticizing, and lying. Now, most of us were raised at least to know that, hey, yeah, lying's not good. We should not lie. It's the complaining and the criticizing that we need to give some attention to today. There's a phrase called, let's go Brandon. Again, Thanks for being a part of our church. (laughs) If you need recommendations of others, I can tell you. I wonder if Jesus would wear a Let's Go Brandon t-shirt. Some of you are like, who's this guy Brandon? And I really don't want to go into too much detail about it. I'll give you the quick synopsis. The phrase, Let's Go Brandon is a way to say something about our current president without saying it, but you're saying it. See, I grew up, again, at a pastor's home where we came up with not cuss words, pretend cuss words. Maybe you didn't play that game. Maybe you were allowed to cuss. I was not allowed to cuss. We got around that by literally making up words, words that weren't socially unacceptable in order to say how we really felt about people. Teachers, definitely teachers. (laughs) So I'm gonna bring it up. I don't care who the president is, but any time you say F the president, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in the wrong. And let me, I'm I'm not telling you this to get political. If you were to ever do that about your boss where you have some secret word that is another way of trashing that human being with your words, you are the one in the wrong. If you don't like me telling you that you're wrong, again, I can give you a list of many churches. But you've gotta know, I don't actually think it's funny. And it has nothing to do with my political bent, who I vote for and who I don't vote for. But I think it's a modern day trend that catches, as you've seen, as scripture says, fire. When we find a way to say something, here's what we mean, but it's clouded. And I would just offer a warning that we find ways to creatively complain and criticize others. But James, I think, would say, watch that because you're showing a level of your maturity that I don't think you wanna actually display. So all I'm suggesting is pay attention to what you say. In fact, I'm gonna get into the question asking time. Here, here we go. <laughs> what do all the words you're saying say about you? More Christians should ask this. What do all the words, all the, I put in all on purpose just so you know. Not the, you mean the ones at church? Or, or the ones on, on social media? Or the ones behind closed doors? The ones in public? No. What do all of the words that you say, say about you? Now, you might have to ask some friends and family for this one, or some co-workers, but these are the kinds of mature questions that we should be asking if you have intentions of having behavior connected to your belief, belief connected to your behavior. Please do not say, that talking thing is for the kids. No, it's not. The first way we begin to sever relationships is with this. So if we don't fix this, people will never know who Jesus is because we didn't care enough to watch what we say. So I hope the whole lesson, man I hope the whole lesson isn't, pastor says we can't say let's go Brandon. Guess I gotta sell those shirts now and stickers. No, and and also, the lesson here isn't go be nicer. It's not stop cussing as much. Go say words you don't even believe to people about them just so they feel good. No, no, not this isn't go flatter people. This isn't just go like be superficial. In fact, that's the problem. I think James brings this up that it's not just go do more, be better. Is that not what sometimes church becomes? Is we come, we get this lesson from this pastor person, and we leave going, I gotta go try harder. Just gotta go try harder, and it's not working, but I'm gonna keep trying, I'm gonna keep trying, I'm gonna keep trying. I don't know that that's the best approach. When I say things to my wife that I should not say, you know what typically the problem is? My relationship with God not my relationship with Katie. So let's go after that for a little bit. Following Jesus isn't (laughs) self-help. It's not like, I'm gonna pick that guy. I like what he has to say. It's submission, devotion, sacrifice. It's where you wanna fix the stuff coming out of your mouth because you're like, David, if you only heard what we said in the car before church. If you wanna fix that, don't try harder. Don't bite your tongue. Deal with your level of submission and devotion and sacrifice to God. I'm, I purposely skipped over something in, in James that I, I think this is where it now applies. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. Good luck. <laughs> Some of you read that, you're like, you got a guy who is skeptical, a doubter, he's like, I don't know what I think about Jesus, whole life gets changed because he's Jesus comes back to life and that's cool, but then you know, this guy's telling us, hey, you wanna know the primary thing to deal with with good works is your tongue, what you're saying, and by the way, no one can tame it. If you read that wrong, It feels like we were just left with a sense of hopelessness. So I'm supposed to bring dignity and honor to the people around me by the way that I talk, but I can't tame the tongue because it's evil. Well, just to remind you, if you've forgotten, your problem with evil is not about trying hard. You know this, right? It's the gospel. Your problem with evil is not about being good enough so God likes you. Your problem with evil is not trying to clean your house up so that finally God's like, whoa, you're good at that. I like you. Come into my heaven place. No, your battle with evil, if it's your tongue or whatever, Jesus told us what to do, Matthew 6, 13. You will recognize this. When Jesus was asked, how in the world do we pray? What do we do about prayer? How, how do we talk to, to God? Um, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us, rescue us. We need you, God, from the evil one. So your tongue problem is not about trying harder. It's about submitting to God. And so it's about saying, God, I need your help. Because some of us are like, Yeah, because you're my last ditch effort. Like, I I can't control my words. Maybe you have a tendency just to be negative. I was watching TV and, and I was, what, it was it was sports and and the commentators it was so fascinating because I knew one of the commentators and, and he's a really nice guy follows Jesus Christ like he's incredible and the other guy if you had to pay attention to know it was kind of making fun of some of the people around made fun of how the other coach was dressed and and talked about some of the players when they would mess up and the guy that I know that that loves Jesus kept like he wouldn't take the bait. It was fascinating, maybe because I was preaching a sermon on watching what you speak that I was really attuned to this, but it was so significant. I'm watching my favorite team play, but listening to these commentators go back and forth, the guy would say, boy, that coach is kind of dressed old school, kind of reminds me of such and such, and this guy goes, well, I don't know, he's a great coach, really has done a lot of great things in his life, and I'm like, well, that player just keeps not like really putting the ball in the goal like he ought to. Well, you know what, but I watch him in practice, and he's, it's just amazing. What if we were like that? What if if one of the ways that we combated the evil in this world was to be fully submitted to God and let that just ooze out of our mouths where we begin to praise and encourage and support and be positive, not for the sake of positive thinking but for the sake of the gospel? What if you and I watched what we said, not to be liked but so that Jesus would be known? That's why I think this is not an exclusive elementary lesson. I think I'm gonna have to remind myself of this sermon for the rest of my life. So one final parting application, if you wonder like, what do I do? It's submission, devotion, and sacrifice. What's that look like? Very simply something like this. What will this post (laughs) tell them about Jesus? What will this phrase tell them about Jesus? What will this word tell them about Jesus? What if you and I started, not trying harder, but just trying to make sure that we were submitted to Jesus saying, what I'm gonna say is gonna bring glory and honor to Jesus, and then speak. And I trust the Holy Spirit enough to know I think our communities around us begin to be filled with dignity and honor as scripture details. So the lesson is, watch what you say. It has enormous power. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thanks for letting us gather. Thanks for letting us dig into your word. Thanks for the book of James. Thanks for chapter three. It's really difficult, God. Lord, I know every one of us, I believe with my heart, that every one of us for the rest of the day are gonna have at least one challenge that is contained in the book of James chapter three. God, would you help us? We submit to you. Lord, help us to sacrifice some things that we just wanna say. God, may our words be devoted to you. May they reveal that we love you. We follow you and we think you're amazing. Lord, lead us, empower us, strengthen us. We praise this, we give this, we lay this, at your feet and praise you for whatever you're going to do in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen.